And welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I'm your host, Ethan Colburn. Welcome to our second episode of Damien Chazelle Week. Uh, we are doing La La Land today. And uh, yeah, it's just a joy to revisit. I actually hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters in 2016. So it was really, really fun to go back to. And I brought on the two most passionate people I know about this movie, who happen to be really good friends, uh, Sophie and Seagull. So great chat with both of them. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just a really fun episode. Next week... I've got A Star is Born, uh, the 2018 one coming for you guys. So uh, if you need some more Gaga and Cooper in your life, if uh, you need to be singing Shallow in the Shower again, uh, like I often do, um, that's a great movie to revisit. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. So hopefully you enjoy that episode as well. And uh, thank you guys for helping me launch my Patreon last week. I have three patrons currently i have sydney steven and griffin so thank you guys for uh pitching in and um we are going to be having a fun film club this month so if you'd like to participate in this month's film club try to sign up before the end of january so you have time to know what that movie is and watch the movie with us so thank you guys for helping me uh launch that this week um without further ado let me launch you into this week's episode i hope you enjoy Seagull, Sophie, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. hello thank you for having me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying hello like like this is the first time we started talking, but we've been like trying to figure out audio we've issues been... for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, my fault. We finally we're, got we're it going. Now. We got it going. <laughs> we're yeah. good. Seagull is an old man. He doesn't know technology. <laughs> Stop, no. Seagull's definitely an old man. Um, thank you guys. All right, both. all right. <laughs> thank you guys both for coming on. This is so fun. I'm very, I'm more than excited. Thank you for, uh, for having me here. Uh, it's my first podcast actually. So yeah, congrats, congrats on that. Uh, <laughs> c- congrats on that. And, uh, thank you for coming on for, is this, is this like both of your guys' favorite movie or is it like, it's very much up there? It's, it's, it's probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw it nine times last year. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, awesome. I, I think I saw that. it six times last year. So Seagull, Seagull helped me beat. But I saw it for the first time last year. Got yeah, it. traitor. Mm. Brutal. Fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, no I, but. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I, I wanted to say that I'm honored to thank you for having me on again, because this is my second time with you. Ooh. But now we have Seagull. So this is like pretty awesome. I'm yeah, so excited great. to be a part of this. Long yeah, yeah, last time, but better because I'm here. <laughs> yeah. of course of course we'll of course. see <laughs> yeah we'll see how this goes <laughs> for sure well so so um so what was like your first what was like your first experience with the movie i'll throw it to sophie first and then and then seal you can tell me about like what what it like what it was like watching for you the first time last year no i love that question all right um 
So I first saw it in the theaters. I think it was December 17th of 2016. I saw it with my sister and my sister's friend. And we were sitting and I remember being excited about it. I didn't know who the director was because I hadn't seen any of those things before. Mm. But I knew it was Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling and a musical. And I'm like, oh, my God, I I can't wait. I'm really excited. And from the first shot when Another Day of Sun starts playing and it ends, I sat back and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great movie. I just yeah. know it. Like after that song ended, I'm like, I, I know I'm going to laugh and cry and, and feel everything. And it was probably one of the best ex- uh, theater experiences I've had. Non-MCU, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> You're just but, trying to get me here. Um, just a little. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember my sister, uh, there's a scene in La La Land where... Um, Sebastian and Mia have their first argument in the dinner table and my sister just started to just start, she starts to cry. She broke down, she's sobbing and she didn't stop until the movie ended. And then she continued. She just kept For crying me, the entire time. The dinner oh scene is God. actually more like harder to watch than the end. end personally. It's, it's, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually just, after, it's, after rewatching, it's more, it's more emotional and intense because it, it feels so real. But for me, I think I started crying when some Mia goes down to the club, to Sebastian's club, and she sees Sebs, and mm-hmm. I just start breaking down, and the epilogue oh, yeah. happens, and I, I I hadn't cried that much in a movie, I think, <laughs> in the theater ever. Like, I, that was the first time I was full-on sobbing, yeah. I, I, but in a good way. Like, I know it's bittersweet, but it was it was incredible. I, I remember wanting to watch it immediately after. I texted all of my friends about it. My sister and I could not shut up about it. I, I learned Another Day of Sun on the piano like after I got back home from the movie theater. <laughs> I was so obsessed with the movie. And I, I've, I've been ever since. So yeah, yeah that was my no, experience. That's awesome. <laughs> it was um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Tego, what was your first experience with it? In, my uh, first experience was actually not not a big deal. I loved it 100%. I, I, was, I was singing the songs for days, but I, I wouldn't, it, it didn't really... Uh, hit me that hard actually in in very many ways until randomly one night I don't even remember exactly when it was um, I decided it was like 11 at night and I decided to rewatch it and as soon like she said as soon as it started I was like oh damn and then like the whole time I was crying laughing singing everything and it was like one in the morning a little whatever when it ended and I immediately like rewinded and started all over and then I so I, I didn't really so then and then I woke up the next day and I watched it uh, three more times. So what was it about was, like the first time watching it that I'm not, just didn't the get The very you? first time watching it, I don't know. I, I don't, maybe I was distracted. Maybe I wasn't in the right mood. It didn't It didn't quite hit me. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Obviously, the colors. This uh, is news to me. So well made. Yeah, it's, it's documented <laughs> if you check if you check out Letterbox. It's, I have an embarrassing I got I got to I got to check out your whole saga <laughs> right there. But but when I yeah, it was I loved it when I first saw it. I don't I don't know. It didn't it didn't like knock me over and all like like it yeah. did the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, interesting. And ninth and then now 10th time. Uh Congrats yeah. on your 10th viewing. I'm glad I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm glad we could be a part of it. Double digit. Yeah. It's like easy to forget how big of a deal this was in 2016 when it just came out like it was such a thing like it was like most oscar well it tied like the most oscar nominations it was like a sensation it was and and obviously like this movie is forever tied to the moonlight mix-up right and all that shit which which i always think is so odd because they couldn't be more different in In some ways they couldn't yeah they're both obviously incredibly well-made films very 
there's a lot of similarities in terms of just how good they are in terms of quality, in terms of they use color very well and a lot of that kind of thing. But in terms, in, in terms of tone, especially, they could not be more different. Wait, guys, I'm sorry. This is not a La La Land podcast. This is this is Moonlight podcast. We got we got mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I read. I, I'm sorry. It's my fault. I read the card wrong. I. Uh, <laughs> I was not the wrong card. Moonlight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Ethan. Now, I want to know. I want to know your first experience with La La Land. Right. Like what? When's when you watched it? We want to. So, so like a similar thing, like opening weekend. Um amazing theatrical experience even though it was it was like a, it was a sold out theater and i was like front side it was like oh. first roll it was like the worst seat i could possibly oh, get that's, so, yeah you gotta look up still, the entire time like you know i'm like trying to do the mental math to like even out the screen in my mind because it's all like ryan gosling's face <laughs> is like stretched you know so but um but like yeah i mean like it was a crazy theatrical experience like and i think and i think um let it it was weird seeing like the backlash to this movie because it came out and everyone loved it. And then there was just a major backlash of people being like, ah, they can't sing well. And ah, like they, they suck at dancing and this is lame. Yeah, but and... That is kind of a huge part That's of the, the point. point. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, would you like to respond to the backlash? <laughs> Absolutely. I would Siegel, go to. ahead, man. Take yeah. it away. Um, a huge theme of the film is that they're just kind of, especially her, yeah. But also him, they're just kind of starry-eyed with their dreams and with their passions and with what they want to be in a very unrealistic sense for, for a large part of it. Mm -hmm. Because because they're very average at singing, at dancing. He's a very good player, but he's not that's not enough to get him anywhere. Right. Um, and the only thing, and the film makes it very clear that the only thing that they have more than anyone else in this whole city is each other to push them. And that's really sure. more what the film's about than their art, than their passions. It's more about the fact that those are something that they very much want, but they would never have achieved it without each other. Hmm. I like that. It's amazing how you're just your explanation of the, the of what you just explained. It's it's amazing how they managed to take that and make it so magical. You know? Oh yeah, you mm -hmm. just, sure. It, it's honestly, and that's another part of the experience I had when watching it. it. I can't believe that it was so magical. Like, yeah, given the fact that the singing was fine it wasn't out of the ordinary um and and like Sie Siegel just explained he he kind of just explained the rawness of the film but then mm -hmm. you add the magic and it just it, that's what makes it so complete and I love how Damien Chazelle created that and, and and it's almost like his own world and 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 I think obviously it he had to have like some passions probably back in the day he probably had a girl he was chasing or something like that to make him want to develop this kind of film and I love that and I, I wonder what kind of experiences he had to make like to inspire him for this yeah and the I other, haven't really read into I it do, but I, think I just yeah. about it being raw is I think it's very interesting there are two versions of that song City of Stars where it's probably yeah. their worst singing in the film is they're just mm -hmm. kind of laughing their way through it and they're like giving each other there are two versions it's so casual version that kind of misses that that energy of them being playing off each other and it's it's just such a clean version of the song that that feels so perfect and it kind of misses that same emotion that the song that the less perfect version hits well and then the other thing you get you get that you're that you guys are kind of dancing around right now is the fact that like it very much starts off with, with its most kind of grand old hollywood number which is the another day of sun thing and then gets more gritty and as it goes along then, even then another day of sun if you listen to the track the singing isn't even that good 
the chorus is just a bunch of people just singing. It's it's fine. I it's actually don't not... think I agree with that. No, listen to me. It's very theatrical type <laughs> singing, but I think it's it's good. Here's here's something I noticed, and every time I listen to it, I notice it more and more. The music overbears the singers, and you oh, just yeah, hear uh-huh. the, instru- the instruments way more than oh, the singers. Oh yeah, for sure. And there's not a lot of harmonies in the chorus like there would be in a regular musical chorus. And I mean, I guess this is where uh, Siegel chimes in. It's like, it's not a musical. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, no. He has a good explanation, though. It makes sense. It, it makes sense. I think it, it, it... Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Anyways, All right. but that's what I wanted to say for that opening number. Yes, the two solos are good of the girl and the guy, but the chorus seems off to me. Like, it, yeah, it's good, but it, it's not extraordinary like an opening number would be. It's That's just fair. fine. That's fair. For I, me. I, I so, still love this so song. Now that, we're, now that we're at the opening number, I have to say that my whole thing of it not being a musical started with the fact that the opening number has no narrative significance to the rest of the film. It starts off with something completely irrelevant narratively. Um, have of, you analyzed the song? They're dancing. And then no no no, no. The, the not the not the lyrics or anything, but it's not we're not with the characters okay. yet. It's a whole it's a whole thing, and it has nothing. It thematically has a lot to do with it, but it has nothing to do with the story. Do you do you think that the story is just about me and Sebastian? I'm not sure what you mean by that. Like like I mean I mean the the story it's it's kind of about it's called La La Land. Like so much of it is about L A. Like and and in I, that sense like. It's introducing LA okay, as a so character. No, yeah, I definitely think it's about me and Sebastian then. Yes. I'm embarrassed to admit that it took me so long to realize that La La meant LA, LA land. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I it, it's it, like, like it does year. mean that. It's like it's a 20s. It's to the whole. Yeah. It's like a 20s, 30s kind of. Of the whole city. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, it, it to me, like. I mean, it's totally about me. It's totally about me and Sebastian. Don't get me wrong, but there's like, it's um, me and Sebastian sort of represent what, like, you know, the dreams and like struggling people in LA. And so I think if Absolutely. you think about that number, like, as opening LA and like introducing you to the sort of the facade that LA has to offer, I guess. It, I mean, I mean, I so, think, yeah, I don't know. To strengthen that point is is that that I was thinking that and it got me and I went even a little more that the opening scene is a traffic jam. Yeah, uh huh. Literally just a traffic jam. It's not it, the song even ends with almost like an interruption of honking. Like it doesn't quite end when it just everyone started honking, and it just it it is everyone in LA is so dreamy and so sure that they're going to be a success that they're in a traffic jam but they're so excited to be in La La Land and in LA where they're going to be amazing that they're just dancing around and they're so excited. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean that it's a, it's a spectacular way to open a movie. And I think still like, I, I, I kind of thought at the time this would launch a new wave of, of sort of Hollywood musicals since it was so successful. Mm -hmm. It was really successful at the box office. People also forget that, but I mean, it, there's nothing that's come out. That's anything like it. No, and here's here's I love how it's unique and one of a kind. And I have a lot of friends who are big theater nerds, mm-hmm. and a lot of them didn't like it. They're like, it was really lame. It wasn't even like a good musical. And I'm like, you didn't understand it if you don't think that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, man. About yeah. about it being unique, it is very unique for our times. But because of this film, I watched um, 
Demi's umbrellas. umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yeah. And it is, there are some alarm, it's like alarmingly similar. Well, in, I mean, in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I talked about this. I talked about this in my Young Girls of Rush Fora podcast, which is, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. basically, I mean, Jacques Demi made. It's almost a, lot a of, remake of Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yeah. I'd say it's a remake of Umbrellas of Cherbourg, but with kind of some of the showmanship in Young Girls of Rush Four. I just, that happens to be my, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So, ended so up my that take one. is that it, it takes Umbrellas and it adds a ton to it. Meaning like you were saying earlier, is it about me and Sebastian? And then you're saying they represent the whole LA mindset and that. Right. And I think that's what it adds so much to the original, to Jacques Demy's original musical where it is yeah. that story, but that's more just that story. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that makes lot, sense, and it's beautiful. But it is this is this adds so much of a layered and rich backdrop to it. Yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. I mean, that for me, like, um, I love like the Jack Demi stuff, and I was talking about I was talking about this in I, I was talking about this in my Young Girls of Rush Four podcast, where I mean, basically, that's that's Jack Demi saying like. I'm still French new wave, but I have a lot of respect for like the old Hollywood way of doing these mm-hmm. musicals. And so he does his version of a Hollywood musical, which, you know, is like a modernized, you know, across the pond Persian. And then, and then did Camille and Chazelle basically like took that back to LA, took right. like this French, French interpretation of a Hollywood musical back to LA and put his right. own spin on it, which is, which is, it's, it's kind of fun because you're taking you're taking back into account. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of old Hollywood mu- musicals, like famously singing in the rain, have sort of like a struggling to make it in Hollywood kind of theme. And so he right, is sort right. of taking taking the old and putting his new spin on it. But again, like it, there's nothing that looks quite like this movie. There really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. There really isn't. And I, I think do, there's nothing I, that looks like Jacques Demy's musicals either. I think they both are very unique in their look and they both claim claim it as their own. Totally yeah. true. Yeah. Sophie? I do want to go back to the opening number um, when Siegel said that it had like really nothing to do with uh, the movie. And I, I want to disagree because I did a little analysis <laughs> on the on the movie and I want to share or the opening song, Another Day of Sun, and I want to share it with you guys. Mm-hmm. And this was a while ago, but I just found it now and I kind of want to share it with you guys because it is really interesting it's very subtle unless you actually read the lyrics. Mm. So basically the first verse of the song, the young woman that sings parallels Mia and her dreams of becoming an actress while also wanting a stable relationship. Right. So in the first verse, she, uh, it's, it called me to be on that screen and lived inside each scene. And then this li- this cu- upcoming lyric is specific to me as dream and becoming an actress because maybe in that sleepy town, he'll sit, he'll sit one day, the lights are down. He'll see my face and think he, and think of how he used to know me. And this reference, I feel like refers to Mia hoping one day she'll, she'll be on the big screen and someone she used to know will watch her movies and think about how he used to know her. And this That's is like really a subtle to, yeah, I also think it's, it's su- fascinating to see that she wants to be a star more than she wants to be an actress. Exactly. And that's where the city of stars comes in. But that's later. This is the first song. It's a subtle <laughs> nod to Mia and Sebastian's relationship and a flash forward. of and It's like a foreshadowing to the winter five years later towards the end of the movie. And the second verse um, is sung by a young man and it parallels Sebastian and his dream of opening a jazz club and his passion for jazz, where he says, I hear him every day, the rhythms and the canyons that will never fade away. The That's a reference the to bars. Laurel Canyon, by the way. 
Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Laurel Canyon is where like a lot of like the hippie music of the sixties came out to out of. But there continue. you go. The Sorry. ballads in the ballrooms left by those who came before. They say you gotta want right. it more. Oh, wow. So I bang on every door. So yeah, I love how there's like subtle words that describe his love for rhythm, jazz, you know, um the ballad. But, but again, I, I think I, even with what you're saying, it's almost more of an intro than it is part of the story. Yes, I agree, but it does have something to do with the narrative, in my opinion. Can, like, I, bring up, didn't. can I bring up a kind of kind of separate point? So Of course, a, yes, go for it. I just movie. wanted to bring that up. No, it's great. It's great. Thank you, by the way. That that's really cool. I've never I've never actually read the lyrics. Um I, so, I read too much into it. <laughs> so in high society, um, which is like a musical remake of a Philadelphia story with like mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby. Um, there's this Louis Armstrong number that like opens the movie that just describes the whole plot of the movie. (laughs) Like he just goes in the high soul in high society. And he does the whole like, but he like, he like literally every verse is just like, like act one, act two, act three of the movie. Is it like a full on spoiler? It's just, it's a full on spoiler. Yeah. He just spoils the whole movie at the beginning of the movie. So should I just uh, skip that when I watch it? Uh, just watch the first scene. I was gonna say I could watch like five hours of you just imitating Louis Armstrong. <laughs> in that, in that to my save. Nah. Hey, that's, that's a really good impression. What a wonderful yeah. world. <laughs> we don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, yeah no, we we're talking. That's why op- yeah. opening numbers are so important to movies, and like this one may seem just very different from the rest of the movie it still has like a part and an attachment to it and like Siegel was talking about um the traffic and how that you know relates to everything in LA and dreams and stars and bubbly and yeah I like that I we've we've read so much into right, like it definitely <laughs> sets up where 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 our mindset is at the beginning where we're mm-hmm. just all excited to be in traffic because we're in la la land I, exactly. I, I have a question for both of you um and I I apologize for how general this is but like we we do keep talking about like how magical this movie is. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a reason you you think that it's particularly magical? Is there something that makes it particularly magical? Do either of you want to start off? Siegel, you take it first. I don't know if magical is the word I would use. I think okay. Damien Chazelle is very much a romantic, and I would use more more of that um, phraseology. Um, but I think that that the whole, I mean. Obviously, you can tell this from the films, but but from the film itself. But if you look especially at the behind the scenes photos before they recolorize it, you can see that everything's just kind of looks normal. But in the film, everything's like a very bright color, whether it's a purple, it's not just kind of purple, it's purple or it's yellow or it's blue or it's red. And and, and the dresses they wear and the, the tie, like Sebastian's ties are not just like everything they wear is very, very bedazzled and very exciting. And it gives it gives a feel of of that of that romanticization of reality while also kind of feeling like reality totally um, i think also i think also ryan gosling kind of walks for a large part of the film very kind of like you know what i'm saying almost gene kelly like <laughs> yeah he, yeah i know i know you mean he's very kind of smooth and all that yeah yeah for sure so yeah yeah um, I would like to say that I guess romance and magic go hand in hand because love is kind of like a it's kind of like magic because it's, it's it rarely happens and it's something very special and unique and this is something that this movie kind of gets right in a very realistic way where sometimes relationships don't work out even though you put in 
a lot of work and effort and dedication into it. It's not doesn't happen. Like you, you got to make sacrifices, which is what Sebastian does a lot. But I'll get that. I'll get into that later. The magic for me in this, I think, mainly because of what it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Every time mm-hmm. I watch it, it makes me feel all kinds of emotions, and that's to mm-hmm. me what cinema does, and that's why yeah. it has so much magic to me because it, it. Very few movies can make me feel all like a lot of different types of emotions, and this one just hits the nail right in the head where. It makes me really happy. It makes me laugh. It makes me oh, like swoon over you know Ryan yeah, Gosling. Mm-hmm. He's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me really, really sad. It makes me angry, frustrated. It it makes me feel everything. And towards the end, the with the bittersweet end, I feel kind of satisfied. I don't know why. It's just a beautiful end. And yeah, it's very sad, but um, I I've made my peace with it. And in the end, I'm but it also just, like, very much leads up to it the whole time. The yes. relationship is 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 about each other for only very few scenes, mainly the planetarium, and that's about it. Other than that, they're all about pushing each other forward individually. For their own growth in their they're, passion. Each one is careers. pushing the other one forward, but not mm-hmm. to, for the relationship, but for their own. Exactly. And I love, oh, I love that. And that it, it, it's amazing because a, a movie so magical can be so realistic. I, and that's what I love mm-hmm. about it. Totally. I don't know if I explained myself well, but that's, that's no, no. what no, I that totally, think. That's my that, take. Th- that, 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 that totally makes sense. And I want to go back to something um, Siegel said, which is that Damien Chazelle is a romantic. I mean, this movie is in a lot of ways very romantic, but I talked with Ryan on the Whiplash podcast about how literally – there's hardly anything in his three movies other than the final shots that feel similar to each other. They're all tonally super different. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that like, definitely he does. Amazing. He does have that, that final shot that is his. He always yeah. Does. Yeah. He loves the eyes back and forth. So, so I oh, mean, yeah. if you, um, but then he gets into like with whiplash when you were just talking about it as a romantic, I guess, do you think he confuses romance with passion? Or does he no, mix no, those no. two together and make it, make something out of it? I don't know. Well, because in Whiplash, there's a lot of passion in in. But it's what very Miles much not romantic. It's it's great. No, at all. Well, I mean, yeah. but he has a love for drums. I mean, you have I a good point, though, oh, for sure. Which is, I mean, I think I think in some ways, a lot of his movies, I guess, the tonal similarity is choosing passion over love. Like that happens in Whiplash. That hap- that kind of happens here. Where at least we're meant to assume that it happened here. And First Man is definitely not romantic. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. no, yeah, it's no, so cold. Not. It's so it's cold. It's very cold. <laughs> yeah. And it try, and and you even see him with, with Claire Foy a lot throughout the movie, and it's just, you don't, there's no romance there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's very, very crazy. So, so, I mean, it's, in, it, it's interesting that you can, you can. Distinguish them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can watch any one of his movies. You can watch this and be like, "Oh, he's a romantic." You can watch like Whiplash and be like, "Oh, who fucked with Damien Chazelle?" You can watch like <laughs> watch like First First Man and be like, "I, I, well, here's I don't know." The thing I haven't with seen First Man, Man in a while. is that First Man is a movie he directed, but he didn't write, so he only mm. had so much with what to work with, um, with the 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 screenplay because whiplash and um and la la land he 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 had a say in what was going in everything basically because he wrote it and directed it so with first man i I don't think it's yeah sorry i don't think it's totally fair to compare first man with whiplash and la la land just because it's 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 one of his most different from the two um but in the way like the like what you were saying with the end shots he makes them all like they're very with the the chazelle gaze 
they're very similar in that aspect but yeah, yeah for sure what were you gonna sure. say, i once Siegel? did uh, a double feature of that day that i saw it many many times i i did a double feature with whiplash and la la lands and, yeah. and the similarities are obviously they're very different films but the the themes are almost they complement each other without being exactly the same Mm-hmm. Meaning like whiplash is very much the dark, the down and gritty of, of achieving greatness, what you need to sacrifice. And La La Land's almost a romanticization of that same sacrifice without being without all that gritty work. Yeah, you, you got it. No, for sure. For sure. Um, do you guys want to do like a draft here? Yes. I wait. Like I was waiting for you to ask that. Yeah. OK. Um, like. Which one of you explain gets to go to, first? Ex- you explain it to I want to go first because I have the best part of the movie and everyone is everyone knows this is the best part. Okay. I hate so, you. So that's what I wanted. When do you Sebastian, know how the draft works, Siegel? Do I have to explain this to you or are you good? Clarify quickly. I think I know. Okay. Go for it. You can draft anything you want. Any any aspect that you love about the movie. It can be a C. Excuse me. It can be... <laughs> It's the bad drink. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you, can, you can you can draft like a scene. You can draft a character. You can draft the director. You can just just any just we'll just go around and talk about like our favorite aspects. Ooh, of I know what I'm gonna do. I know what okay. I'm gonna do. I don't so know. So my I favorite, the best thing in the whole movie, is when it's it's about two thirds of the way through, maybe a little more, um, when Sebastian drives all the way down. Where, where does she live again? I forget exactly. A few hours away. Um, and oh, to, to oh, outside um, her house, Boulder, and just Boulder beats... City, uh, Boulder City, Nevada. <laughs> yeah, I in Nevada. That. I knew it was in Nevada, but I didn't want to get the city wrong. Um, so long, and yeah, so he beeps and beeps and beeps, and she comes out, and then they're arguing about anyway. And then he just screams like they're in the middle of the street. Everyone's quiet. And he's like, "What?" And then he's like, "You're a baby. You're a ba- you're crying like a baby." That's my for sure the best part, easily. What? <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> so amazing. I every That's time it comes on, I rewind to it and I watch it five more times. It's the it's You're my favorite. Baby. Thing. Just You're a baby. You're crying. Like, side comment. Like, like trying to be like, no, I can't. He's like, no, you're a baby. <laughs> that 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 kind of reminds me. Of my 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 college roommate was also like obsessed with this movie, and he he just loves like their meet cute. Like after mm-hmm. right after like the '80s band party, where they're just like chatting each other up, and he's like. He's like, that's not fair for like a serious musician. She's like, oh, you're a serious musician. Like, it's just a, it's just a mm-hmm. minute of dialogue. Can I borrow your outfit next, to, next yeah. week? Yeah. I'm playing a serious firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's so like, it's, it's interesting because I think those two moments have have something in common, which is that they're they're a step away from the musical, but they're the dialogue there is, is just a really huge good. Section of the film post once they meet once from that dinner scene that's. That where that ends with an alarm, until mm. her audition, there is no music. There's an there's a huge section of the film that has no music. Oh, you're not right. happy. This is this is this is my point about it not really being a musical. Um, it it all ties in. I think it is a musical. We'll we'll go back to the draft in a second. Oh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Siegel, can I just One clarify second. what no, you no. said? Yeah. You just said, you just said you just said this goes back into what I was saying about it not being a musical, and then you said it is a and musical. Then I said it is but... a musical. Yeah, but you didn't let me finish my sentence. <laughs> It I is a musical, but like it transcends do. just kind of being a musical. Like if you see most musicals, especially okay. I think um, Jacques. No, Siegel has is, a point. This is this is, is so space. different from all the other musicals that have ever been released. And he, and I love his point. He's gonna say later, but um, yeah, Siegel, right that's, that's a great scene. <laughs> no way, because I, I want to go. I want to go next. Oh, okay. You want to do the draft? Okay, we'll get back to it later. All right. Yeah. But no, I want to say something about that scene you chose. Mm-hmm. I really love their interaction in that scene because she has lost all faith in her 
and 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 Sebastian is still pushing for her right. to do yeah. everything. He, it's like the final push basically because after that she goes into our audition and that's it. And then right. I really like their interaction on the bench after her audition and he says, "You're going to get this. I know these things. You're going to get this." I just love how he's so <laughs> and then, confident and then she in her. Says, What's where are we? And then he's like, we're we're in a park, whatever Griffith Park. Griffith, Griffith Park. And she's yeah. like, what do you mean? Like, where are we? And he says, I don't know because you're gonna have to give this your all. And I love that. I love. Yeah. And that's that. Like, that's heartbreaking fully pushing to me. Her. And again, it's more of her, him, and her them pushing each other towards their own goals more than them pushing each other. Can mm-hmm. I just talk about like my least favorite part of the movie, just briefly? Go ahead. Uh-oh. Yes, um, please. Oh my god. Her doofy <laughs> new husband. God, he's oh, just such yeah, like a sure. he's just looks like oh such an goodness. such an asshole. That's all I wanted to say. I just I hate that dude. Yeah, uh, for Sophie. Sure. I think yeah. Go for oh no 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 no. Oh I'm my sorry. god, yeah. When that scene no, 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 where where, that. where she ends up kissing another guy and it's not Ryan Gosling, I was like no. <laughs> but we had it's it coming. Brutal. Anyways, so my draft pick. Oh, I don't know if I want to save it for next time because I don't think you guys will think of it. So I don't know if I want to save it and choose something better. That but that, I, that I is a legitimate choose... strategy. Okay, I know, ahead. but but I have to I have to choose my favorite part. My favorite thing of the movie is the score. I have to choose Justin oh, Hurwitz. Sure. We haven't the mentioned score him or the once. Soundtrack. No yeah, score. We We're bad. There's a difference between the score and soundtrack. I was asking Please, which one you I meant. need you to sure. know this. Yes, yes, Ethan, yes. You know the difference, yes? Yeah, I know the difference. Yes. I've actually never listened to the score apart from the movie, but I've heard the soundtrack billions of times. <laughs> Anyways, I have to mention it because what Justin Hurwitz did with this movie is unbelievable. And I think half of the magic comes from the score. I just, it's so dreamy and beautiful and jazzy and it fits the vibes a hundred percent. I I can't, I can't, I think it's one of my favorite scores of all time. I can't remember the, the last time I went like so long without listening to it. I think I listen to it almost every week. Um, it brings me, it inspires me almost. I don't know why. I, I always mm-hmm. listen Planetarium, the epilogue, the me and Sebastian's theme. And I I, I kind of picked up a lot of those themes on the piano too because I was obsessed with it. But it just, it makes me happy for some reason. It makes me cozy yeah. in a way. Yeah, no, And it's sure. just such a, it's just a beautiful, beautiful composition that he did. And he's he, he's a very talented guy. And I, I cannot wait for his other, uh, scores to come out with other movies. I don't know when that will happen, but I know he did a score for Whiplash. Is not very. It's not as memorable as La La Land, obviously. And he did First Man too, which was incredible. But I think his his there best are is hints La La Land of La La, so La Land score in the First Man score. Oh, I know. Like I have noticed of, that. Yeah, and I love that. But the yeah. score. Oh my gosh, I I just can't get enough of it. It's my favorite score of the past decade, maybe the past, maybe the past twenty years. I don't know. I have to like look and see. And, it is a great. But I score. love it. I love it so much. It's it's fantastic. It, it it makes the movie what it is, in my opinion. Like without the score, like the music, even the songs, you don't have the same movie. It's I just I love it so much. That's mm-hmm. what I want. And, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think Siegel brought up a good point earlier, which is that like, you know, the music is so tied to like their dreams. Um, which is also kind of what you're saying with the intro song, you know, just kind of reflecting on their dreams. And so when when they're losing faith, you stop hearing the music. But the music is yeah. so interesting. Also about the the intro song, it shows up in kind of in secret one more part of the film right before mm. Keith shows up and they're dancing. You know that whip pan back and forth to him playing and her dancing, and him playing and her dancing. Yeah. Right after that, he comes down and they they're all and they they all excited and then they run to a table. The song playing right then is another day of sun it's it's that same representation yeah. of deliriously happy and so excited and not really living in reality 
and then Keith shows up. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, another thing, uh, just another thing that I'm just thinking of, and I'm going to mention before I forget it. Um, we're talking, we were talking about how things come full circle. I mean, you get, you get four seasons in this, right? You get the yes, winter, spring, summer, fall. It starts off with winter. And then winter All again, five season. years later. Right. Right. And then twice. winter again. Right. right. Um, but I-, I love that. I love that fall lines up with the fall of their relationship. I love when they say fall mm. and it's like, ah, like their relationship is falling apart. There's a whole, there's a whole Instagram post I saw that describes each season with what's going on in the movie and how it ties yeah. together everything. And I it really love it. I, the whole, yeah. I don't know where it is, but I read it and I was like, oh, I got to watch the movie. And I think I watched it like a couple days later just because <laughs> I was like, I have to. Totally. But yeah, totally. I, I really like your point where fall aligns with like the downfall of their relationship, basically. And then the, and, and the struggles and that they face. Winter. And it hits. And then we, we hit, hit winter, winter, which and- is the coldness i don't know i love totally that. yeah totally yeah totally so. it reminds me of the the um simon and garfunkel song like april comes she will the way it like goes over a whole the relationship goes over like a whole year and whatever you know anyways and to know to to add up uh, add to your point um when the planetarium scene takes place in the spring and that's when the relationship springs up yeah so totally and then summer right. is right. very yeah, nice yeah, yeah. i love that that's so <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Really it's really cool the way it aligns with a year. And as it's someone so that gets smart. Yeah, totally. Totally. And as someone that gets like mild seasonal depression, like it just it does <laughs> I do have these different moods. Like, you know, like that. which which I mean part part of part of the joke is that like they pan up to the sky and it says winter and it's all gorgeous and whatever. And like mm-hmm. you know, LA doesn't really have seasons, but it's interesting that they kind of I was still... gonna say it's it must be nice to have seasons because I don't have seasons. Yeah. <laughs> It's Hot literally years. 67 <laughs> degrees right now. I was just sitting outside. Wait, it's so on. nice. It's I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you on that. It is 65. Oh. Haha, it's colder oh, in Miami. Oh, you lost. Uh, oh, it just went down. 64. To be to be fair, it, you are three three hours later. So they're putting on a, they're putting on. Oh, that is true. Them, you know? <laughs> You're right. The time Anyways. difference. I forgot. My my next my next draft pick I think here has to be Damien Chazelle. Just in mm-hmm. um I mean. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna take someone you else. And I was to. like, I can't pass him up. Like you can't. He's the king. He he like he ascended to. I mean, I think he impressed everyone with Whiplash. But you know, a lot of a lot of people can churn out an amazing movie. But I think it, after this movie, it was like he could just get anything made he wanted in Hollywood. I mean, it's like it's like M Night Shyamalan after like after like the sixth sense you know it's just one of those mm-hmm. things where all of a sudden like new directors just like what the hell is this guy getting new i hope he doesn't have an m night Shyamalan uh, drop <laughs> off but my, say, but... i don't know if i like comparison <laughs> but my no, point but he is does like make a fair comparison where m night Shyamalan in the early like what are the early 2000s he, he could make big. anything he huge he could yeah. make anything because everyone loves sixth sense yeah yeah had a lot of freedom I think it's interesting that no one, or at least not a lot of people, and it might have to do with the availability or lack thereof, that not a lot of people are seeing Guy and Madeline on a park bench, which is actually Chazelle's debut from 2010. Mm. Yeah, which, no one knows that. where you it know, is. You know the Whiplash, the 18-minute Whiplash short film that is basically just the first 20 minutes of Whiplash, but with different, with not Miles Teller, I forgot who plays him uh, yeah. in the short, and then with J.K. Simmons. So, so Guy and Madeline kind of acts like that to La La Land, what mm-hmm. the like what the whiplash short acts like to, yeah. towards whiplash it's very it, it's a it's a feature film but it's really kind of very very debuty if you know what i mean like it's very and la la land is is basically that but much bigger and better um and i, I just think it's interesting that nobody's really interested seems to be interested in checking it out 
now that yeah, she's totally. more popular. To- totally. And it's amazing that a guy like this young, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like when you're looking mm-hmm. at, well, I, I, I like have the same experience when you watch Citizen Kane or when you watch um, Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights where, yeah, yeah. Jinx. That yeah. was impressive. See, I, knew, I knew what you were going to say. I was like, ah, it's coming PTA. My point <laughs> is like, this guy's like way too young to have such a clear vision of exactly yes. what he wants to put on screen. And it's so yes. different than anything else you've seen. And it's just really impressive when you see like a young director that just like, it's refreshing. Yeah. It's really yeah, refreshing. Sure. It's really completely refreshing. Cause the, cause the youngness, the youth is a better word for youngness. Cause the, <laughs> cause the youth definitely with a lack Careful of there. vision, youth just kind of seems <laughs> um, just Sorry. aimless and, and can be annoying and, and feel um unrefined but when it but when the youth is able to shine through in such a such a refined film you really feel feel that energy of of not being an older director if you know what i mean he's still in his younger years like pta you can see when he was 26 and made boogie nights he makes far more serious films now wait a minute he was he he was 26 when he made boogie nights Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's only two years (laughs) older than me i know orson we gotta we gotta figure shit out (laughs) <laughs> we got to get our shit together. Wait, was, but you can feel that in, his... in PTAs. No, he was... had heartache before that. You okay? I wasn't sure. But Boogie Nights was a similar. You, can, you like... can definitely feel that he was younger, and then when as he got older, and I, I, I like both all of PTA, uh, all of both stages, early and late, equally. Um, but but you can feel a more a maturity in his films that that and a youth in his earlier films, and they're both ma- they're all masterful, and they're not in, in terms of quality. There's not. It's not a term, a lot of difference, but you can feel that energy of youth in his earlier films. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, yeah, I mean, Ethan, so mm-hmm. what, what, what more do you like about? I guess like because you picked Damien Chazelle, so I want to hear more about why you picked him. <laughs> I mean, like, I realized last night because I was this is completely separate, but I yeah, I was really aware last night when I was watching this like old. Nicholas Rogue movie from like the seventies um, that I just, I really like like super in your face directing. Like mm-hmm. I love De Palma. I love when like right, pieces right. of a woman has like 30 minutes uncut and you're just like, Whoa, how did they do that? <laughs> like, I'm like, it's, it's a little, like, it's not that I don't appreciate subtlety because I do. I re- like, I, I appreciate subtle moments where you're like, wow, like that just made me feel like that. And I don't know why, but there's something about, he's just he's flexing so much in this like so yes. much of this movie is just like <laughs> it's very look what even, I not even look, just look look everything what the fuck about I it even do. the colors the the totally. whip hands that he always that he loves to do that's are a great just, point Ethan. you, can't, you yeah. can't not see that he's whipping back and forth so fast yeah yeah he, he can't he, miss he, that he's he, he he he's sort of i mean i think whiplash it's a smaller movie it's set in new york but this is sort of like I'm in LA. I'm fucking here. <laughs> Deal with me. Like, this is what I can do. And everyone's like, Oh my God. And like gives it six Oscars. Like it's, it's a, it's, right, right. it's just, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy just heat check for him. I think. For sure. Yeah. He's very, he's directing them. He's directing this movie and there's no like missing. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a director and not just a voice, but like a director. Like, uh, yeah, I definitely. Totally. 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 <laughs> and so it's just, it's the camera movements. It's the vision. It's just, I think I think he really he really put something together here, and um, yeah, I mean, like I don't want to repeat myself too much from the Whiplash podcast, but I was talking with Ryan about like how you know another another director or pair of directors I should say that that has been known for crossing genre a lot are the Coen Brothers, 
but um, the Coen brothers do have sort of tonal similarities throughout their work mm-hmm. that you start to notice over time. And I'm, and I'm curious to see if like, if they also is... definitely have thematic similarities. Yeah, they do. Of... They do. But yeah. like the Coen brothers are still able to do inside Lewin Davis. Not to and, get like... more into the Coen brothers now, but yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But like, if you, if you hadn't seen any other movies and you were to watch like no country and the big Lebowski, let's just, pull those two mm-hmm. you'd be like what like did the same person direct both of these but as you start right. to watch more of their movies you can you do notice things that they carry right, through right. work and i'm curious to see if damien chazelle is is going to be like that later on where you start to notice these things or if he really is a just a really versatile person that that can really oh, dive i think into there's a material. lot of directorial similarities between whiplash and la la land and even first man there's, I mean, it's bringing it back up for like, I don't mm-hmm. know how many times I've said this already. The whip pans are very yeah, the much whip his pans thing. For he sure. loves that. He's very into, I mean, I, I think he's very into stark colors, whether it's the black and yellows of whiplash or the purple, red, white, red, yellow, blue. And I, th- and I don't think green something, is the color Something that's, in, he's very something into that's interesting. Just, yeah. Is, I'm going to go upon, uh, expand upon your point is that with mm-hmm. First Man, um, it's weird because it's the most, yeah, I, I mentioned this already before. It's his most different uh, movie that he's directed as a, um, opposed from um, Whiplash and La La Land because again, he didn't write it, but you see, you still see like the, I guess the di- directorial similarities between his styles with Whiplash, La La Land and First Man, but First Man is totally different from those two, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yes, they're all, all, t- all three they're, are very tonally different. They're all yeah. tonally different, but I can see more similarities between La La Land and Whiplash than La La Land and First Man. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie music. this back into the tier, the the picking, because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that my next pick is is Damien Chazelle and Gosling's ability to do so much with so little. Is that like... That's an interesting draft pick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. It means I Ryan Gosling's still on the board. I'll take it. Like the tiny okay. little moment where, where when we meet Ryan Gosling for the first time and we fly, we, we don't stick around because we, we start off with Mia's story um, and not Sebastian's, but we fly through his car for a few seconds and he, he, we see him rewinding the radio and listening to the same thing again. And then we just kind of go through and we already, before we even meet him, we know yeah. that he's, he's very into that music. And then uh, at the end of the Waste of a Lovely Night scene where he does like a little shuffle as he's walking away, it ti- it's like a tiny little moment that that it's just, there's a bunch of them. And, and Ryan Gosling is, a lot of people say like, oh, he's, he doesn't do much. He just kind of a straight face. And then the story happens around him and he's just there. But I think that he really does do so much with so little. And Ryan and, and Damien Chazelle is able to really highlight that, that t- those tiny little things and make them such big character moments for such a reserved character. I think that's true. I think that's true. And, and then I think, um, God, we're just, this is just becoming and a first man And again, first man, man is just that, but a whole movie. <laughs> there we go. We could no, just no, name yeah. this La La Land slash first man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slash oops. It was supposed to talk about moon, moonlight. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like first man, he's really reserved and, and it, and it can be really hard to accept access that character. But I think, I think here, like this is kind of the Ryan Gosling I want where he's a little, he's a little self-serious. He's, um, mm-hmm. but like he, he cares a lot. And um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's clear, it's clear that he cares, but, and, and that he's a little in his own world, but at least he's like self-aware enough of that. Yeah, I, I that know exactly sense? what you're saying. Mm-hmm. He, I'm yeah, actually not sure. You, you make <laughs> complete sense. No, it's, he, 
and I will like to add that he has his own little routine and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to break it until he meets Mia. He, right. he has his routine. Mm-hmm. He plays the mm-hmm. jazz music and he goes to the same coffee shop with the samba top of place and, and he, he's upset. Blah, yeah, blah, he blah. spies on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but with what Ethan was saying is um, he wait, what were you saying? I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, no, you're totally good. I was talking about how he's like how he's more self-aware here of his own like weird neuroses almost. I don't know. He's, he's, he's more yes. self-aware of how so, closed off he is. He is, but at the same time, he notices the little things. When right. he's with Mia, he he's very he's very giving and very very um um what is it self not selfless. I, I don't want to say that, but he I guess I guess he he makes more sacrifices for Mia than Mia does for him, than Mia, and he's very sure. self aware about that. And that's what the epilogue is all about. But we can get to that later. Well, guys, that's soon. But yeah, I don't I, even I know when later is going to be. How long have we been talking for? Oh, we've been talking for like <laughs> yeah, close totally to an hour. Track of time. Oh my goodness, are you serious? Yeah, that that has not oh, wow. felt like an hour. It has been like Sophie has told me La La Land time. that when I talk about La La Land, I get like that scene in La La Land where where Sebastian's trying to explain jazz, but he kind of can't explain why he loves it. He just expresses <laughs> his love for it. Like, very, so very exciting, exciting. Very, very exciting. And he can't really explain it. He just he just loves it so much, and it and he just. And this and that, and look at how and compromise, conflict and compromise, (laughs) totally, totally. Um, Anyways, yeah. Whose pick is it? I don't know whose (laughs) pick it is. It's you. It's you. It's me. Because because Siegel drafted what what Damien Chazelle (laughs) yeah and Ryan Gosling do (laughs) with so little. Hey, yeah, even, you said like he could that. draft whatever he wanted. I did. Say, I was trying to. Here. My fault. Ryan Gosling is still on the table, but okay. I'm not gonna pick him. I'm we also him. just yes. before you pick, and I hope it's not your pick, but we have to mention that Ryan Gosling learned piano for this role, jazz piano. Oh, it's amazing. He actually plays. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's what impressed me role. so much with his performance is that he dedicated so much time into learning piano, and not only piano, mm-hmm. it's jazz piano, and that shit's hard. If, it's mm-hmm. not easy. It's not easy at all. If I um, no jazz. if I had to pick like who should have won the Oscar, I would have gone Ryan Gosling over Emma Stone. Who did win that year? Emma. I mean, no, between no, 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 oh, oh, I mean, I mean, an actor who beat Ryan. Who was it? Leo's year? No, that was no, that no, was, it was no. year before fifteen. Um, I'm trying. To, I don't even Oscars twenty seventeen. But yeah, I do agree that Ryan Gosling was, was a little better than Emma Stone. Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, I think performer. it was. Was it Casey Affleck? Oh, it was the Casey Affleck year. Yeah, yeah. that was honest. That's honest. It's a great performance. Kind of. I still haven't seen Manchester by the uh, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard it's really depressing. Wait, depressing, we may be wrong. Yeah. Oh no, it was. It was. Casey it was. Affleck it was the Casey Affleck year. Yeah. 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 That's that's tough year to compete with. He was apparently very good. Apparently. Anyways, my my draft. Yeah, we both haven't seen be... it. We're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Ryan should have won, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm debating picking between the planetarium and the lovely night scene. I'm not gonna pick the epilogue because I, I mean, uh, it's yeah, the I, epilogue I is the most so obvious. Much. Everyone loves it. It's the, the most epilogue. obvious. I want to pick something more obscure, not obscure, but something that means more to me in a way. Like mm-hmm. I know the epilogue means to every everything to everyone, right? And I can analyze right. the shit out of it forever. But I want to pick something smaller that I can just, you know, contain myself to talk about. But I think I'm going to pick mm-hmm. Lovely Night over the planetarium scene because while the planetarium scene shows a lot, awful lot of the dreamy and magical aspects of the movie, I really like how grounded Lovely Night is, even though they start dancing and singing in the middle of it. <laughs> and here's something that Siegel likes that I didn't used to like, but now I find it very funny is at the end of the song, Mia's phone starts ringing, getting them back into reality. It. And it, it brings me up- back. Okay, so, I think at ahead. this point yes, I have to talk about how it's it's 
Oh, it's it's not quite a musical. I think I have to bring it up because it keeps. Oh, I keep oh, wait, saying I, pieces me, of it. Let me continue. Let me let me say um, a little Finish bit about up, yeah. um, Lovely Night, and then you go straight into why it's not a musical because you mm-hmm. have a good point. But I love. I think this is one of my favorite songs of the movie. I think, if not the my favorite song of yeah, the movie. Same for sure. And here's why. I I love their. It, it's just when they're talk when they're singing, it feels like they're talking like having a witty banter back and forth. And I love that. I think yeah. that's so cute. And and it, it their chemistry comes together here, I think, more than in the planetary. In your polyester this is when you, suit, it's wool. It's wool. <laughs> You're right. I never fought for you at all. Anyways, I just love how they're like denying that there's chemistry, even though there is. And then they start dancing. And half, yeah. of, the, half of the song is, is, is them singing. And it's not even that good singing. It was, it's fine. And then the right. other half is them dancing, but it's instrumental. And I love the instrumental part of it because it just feels like the rest of the score. And I think that's part of the reason why I love the, the song so much in that scene is because it's a combination of a dance number and then a musical number. And it's it's just a clash. It's the best of both worlds. And, and you begin to see the beginning of the relationship flourish, even though they deny that they have feelings for each other. And I really, really love that because mm-hmm. they have such good chemistry together. And that whole scene with the purple background and the dancing and the tapping, it's beautiful. I really love it. Have you, I just have to say, because I always think it's hilarious. Have you seen that scene pre-colorization? Yes, it's I have. It's so it's weird. funny looking. It's weird. It's just, it, it doesn't throws look me dreamy off so much every time I see it. Like the sky's not even like that blue. Ethan, have you seen the pre-colorization? No, I haven't. Did they oh, actually shoot it like so after? Awkward to look at. Like the leaves are kind of green. The sky's barely blue. Like it's such a. It's not a very. It's a nice lookout, but it's not. It's not looking out on very much. Did they actually <laughs> shoot it like after sunset though? It was. It was it shot at? Yes, they shot they it. They did. had. They had a thirty-minute or a twenty-minute window. And they shot it over three days. They did five takes, and I think they used the fourth. I, I recently looked. Yeah, that makes sense. It. Yeah, because because they literally went. They did it. Went back to the start. The, these people wiped off their sweat and all that, and they started again immediately. Like, oh, I yeah, I I, I thought that had to do with the another day of sun scene because they, they no only time. had the. Yeah, because like another no, day another of sun day, is another one. Scene. No, I know, but I I thought I thought like the thirty minute window had to do with like how long they had access to that freeway. Oh, it's an hour. Oh, that could be. an hour or two. I know. Actually, it's actually. I think that five was also hours like where they closed window. it or something. Yeah, yeah, it was a really tight window. They closed it for I don't right. know how and long. Right, and they had. I, <laughs> speaking of that scene, I, I read this the other day, and it's hilarious to me is that the dance uh, coordinator, choreographer, whatever, was so that she wouldn't be in the scene. She was hiding under the cars, yelling at them where to be when, because they only had a certain amount of time. They couldn't practice that much. Oh, that's funny. She was just yelling at them from under the cars. That's hilarious. That's great. So funny to think really about like, during the scene what it actually sounded like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're like over a freeway and yeah. like someone's yelling at them. Yeah, probably wasn't very magical. Um, no, no, that that's really interesting. I haven't I haven't actually seen that. I I, I do I do love that scene. I mean, obviously it's a scene that they use on the poster. It's mm-hmm. it's an iconic it. image. It is iconic. Um, and it's going to become a classic in years to come. I mean, it already is to me. It already but is. In yeah, years it's very to come, much already a classic. In years to come, everyone's going to look back at it and be like, "Yeah, this is this is good stuff." Well, this yeah, good. and that and that's and that's why it's interesting to me. Like, you know, it it could just be that it it takes a while, but you think about like movies like, you know. I'm just to bother you, Siegel. Like, like how 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 Spider Man yes, or yeah. Iron Man like there introduced a wave of superhero movies. You know, like mm-hmm. like I'm I'm surprised that like just a single mega success like this just hasn't really spawned even one knockoff. I think 
Well, I think it's also easier to just copy Iron Man or Spider Man as much as it is hard oh. to replicate. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, we're not going to get into it, but you no, have no, no, to no. agree that every Siegel does have a point. It's just... easy to go off of superhero movies because there's so much to do they, and they, knock they, off. They, and... they set a formula, yeah. but La La Land didn't didn't make a formula. It, it presented a musical. Well, I just I, I do want to say that like early musicals are very formulaic. Mm-hmm. Like the MGM musicals that it's that it's right. referencing are very. But they're formulaic. done. I don't think La La Land was bringing. I don't think La La Land had a chance to bring that back. But, I think La La Land was so nods. clearly its own La La thing. Land's, it had some homage to like old musicals, which I think were were really nice that they like referenced here and mm-hmm. there. Very su- not a lot very of subtly, posters. but like you saw them. Yeah, but Siegel, yeah. you just said that the fact that it's a musical, but what I, I thought it wasn't. What's your explanation? <laughs> I that, think man? that okay, Siegel, Siegel. We'll get into it's it now. A musical. All right, here we are. We I really need to it hear is, your explanation. Okay, here's my thing. It is a musical. It obviously is a musical. There's there, the characters sing and dance, but it transcends but what musicals not. have been. Because it isn't just like if you, I, I think it's easier just to use Jacques Demy's musicals because it's more uh, almost exactly akin to, to La La Land, is especially mm-hmm. on Girls of Rochefort, but no, sorry, especially um, Sherberg, on Girls of Sherberg, is that, is that every line is sung and everything they do, it's not that it's a musical that's telling, it, it's a musical that's telling a story. This is telling a story and it's kind of like, for example, let me, let me try to, I'm trying to say this as, as best I can. Uh, take the opening scene. The fact that they're singing and dancing is tra- in traffic. It's not because it's a musical. It's saying they're singing and dancing in traffic because they're in La La Land and they're all in this in this state of being in La La Land in this dreamy, jazzy state that they're successful. Or take the the lovely night scene where they're dancing to the music and it, it's jazzed up, but it's still the undertone of this relate the lyrics being this relationship won't work. And it's kind of ironic, but the lyrics are obviously kind of ironic. But at the same time, they are dancing to the lyrics that say this relationship won't work. And, and in, in, in the first scene, the song is interrupted by honking. In that scene, the song is interrupted by, uh, by another real world, uh, the phone. It's, they're always kind of jolted back to reality as, as, as the music is trying to, they're trying to be in a state of a musical, but they're not really be allowed to. And then that also brings in the whole se- huge section of the film where there is no music as, at all, because it, it's not. <laughs> he wants because to say something. Really... Yeah, go for it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Well, I mean, like, I think, I think you bring in, I think you bring in a good point there, which is that it transcends musicals. But yeah, I... I think it is a musical. I, I've, I've previously <laughs> said it's not a musical. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I've previously said it's oh not just because God. I like being radical. But it, it, we're it's breaking not, him. Obviously, it's not not a musical. But it kind of transcends oh itself. I don't know. No, oh my I, God. I, 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 okay. I understand what you're saying, Siegel. Oh and my here's God. something. Yeah. I want to add on to something. I get it. I want to add on to something. What you were just saying about the music part. It's really interesting to me how in the beginning of the movie, like the first hour, there are like five songs. It's most of the songs that are already done. And then the second half is just one song and the epilogue. Right. It's just there's audition whole, during her audition and then the epilogue. happy. It's crazy no because music. it's more realistic than anything else. Yeah. That's why they're not in a they're not in a state of being deliriously happy where they can just sing on a highway. Exactly. Even at the end, specifically when she's back in LA, having come back from her from five years of being a celebrity already, coming back from having been in Paris or wherever that thing was shot, I think Paris, and then she's a celebrity for many years and she comes back and she's on the highway and they're in traffic this time at night and she says to her husband, she said she says. Um, 
she she does she says let's turn off here let's get out of this traffic she doesn't she's back in la but she's not at all in the mindset of i'm in la this is where i want to be it doesn't matter that we're in traffic she's she's out and of she it. says let's, let's get off here and get dinner and then traffic. the guy's like yeah let's let's do it and then she somehow ends up in his club i'm gonna i'm gonna take i'm just gonna round out the draft and just take la land mm-hmm. I, what? Wait, sorry. I just that You're was taking like, the whole, the whole movie. movie. I want it. Not allowed. What's wrong with You're me? You're cheating. <laughs> I'm totally cheating. I meant Ryan Gosling. I just said La La Land out loud for no reason. Um, no, no. I'm just gonna take Ryan Gosling. I feel like we've talked a lot about Ryan Gosling, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna take him because he slays it and he looks great and he's absolutely uh, an amazing person and he acts really well in this and and he learned jazz great. piano and he learned jazz yeah. piano. Yeah, I feel like and we he haven't... does so much with so little. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> really, that's the fourth most important thing about this movie. Um... I do want to point out that uh, John Legend, his main instrument is piano, but he yeah. had the yeah. guitar for this role. I thought that was funny. Oh, that's, that's interesting. True. We that's true. I didn't think. I that. feel like I actually feel like we haven't talked that much about Emma Stone. Um, right, do... and she did win the Oscar for it. Yeah, do, well, she's do you want phenomenal? Wanna... I, I no, I, mean, she I don't is. know if I want to. I, I, I think that her best it. moment in the film is when she says, no, Jamal, you be tripping. Tripping. Epic. <laughs> Epic. That's what won her the Oscar audition. right there. <laughs> no, I think her best moment is definitely the audition scene. For yes. sure. Yeah, no, obviously. I, um, that I was telling Ethan earlier something oh interesting. This is not really about Emma Stone, but it's more about, I guess, Damien Chazelle's... Um, I don't, what's interesting is I don't think the cinematographer of this movie is a known name, but he, I mean, he does a really good job. Um, but I think that that it, it like I was telling Ethan earlier about uh, Pixar's most recent movie, Soul, is that at the near the beginning when Ryan Gosling is playing uh, the Christmas music and then he goes into playing jazz piano and then everything else kind of fades out and there's a spotlight and then the same thing happens by her audition. Um, it's kind of like what Soul did with the Zone. Yeah. And then I also thought it was fascinating because in the Planetarium same thing happens but not about their passions but for each other they're the only things that exist in a kind of yeah they sort of they sort of ascend as higher zone that scene is where you get the the most romantic part of like their relationship for sure that's yeah i think i I think that's a great point and i think my response to that message was that a squirrel Mm -hmm. jumped up next to my feet yes your response when i texted you that was like i just screamed a squirrel jumped on me (laughs) yeah which is true. Um, Which is I, a perfect like that response. Happened, that happened two hours ago. I was, I, I'm, because it's a great day and I'm not usually sitting outside because it's winter and the squirrels like now have taken over the backyard. And so there's, I was sitting on my laptop editing and all of a sudden the squirrel jumps up and I go, oh! and then the squirrel goes, oh my God. And then we both jump back. Um, anyways, that's, <laughs> but I think, I think you have a really good point about the, about the like higher zone that these, that these, uh, yeah, they kind of it, it it very well in a way that, that Pixar recently made part of a narrative, but it kind of, it's a unique, uh, framing or did you just call something that Disney made unique? See, I just wanted to like, yes, uh, I, did. I just wanted he to. loves um, Pixar. We got into the, dis- I do love Pixar. Today. I'm a Pixar he was trash talking Disney. But he loves Pixar. It's but the one. Pixar. It's the one oh studio that. Are we doing this? Are we doing this? No, we don't have to. No, do we're, this. Not. we're not. We don't have time. No, no, we 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 don't have time. Definitely don't have time. Oh no. Long story. Long story short, we love Pixar. It's all. It should be said, I think, because it's nice that I got Sophie Avengers glasses for Christmas, and she got me an anti-Marvel T-shirt. That's cute. That's cute. We're on a page. We're on. We're on some sort of page with this. I don't know if it's the same page, but. 
some sort of mutual. I do if you guys can be have... friends, I think there is hope to heal the divide in this country. <laughs> I agree. No, listen, I was, I actually told him this today. We have the same debate about Marvel being cinema every single month and we both get triggered and we both get into this huge argument. And then in the end, we're like, whatever, let's just stop. No, not even that. Fine. Like we, like in the middle of the conversation, I'll be like, oh, I'm so excited. We're going to be on the podcast. And they'll like continue the conversation. Like, I don't know. We'll have the debate, but we'll move on. It's all right. It's good friendship there. It's great here. Friendship. Um, I will want to, I do want to say the award for most obscure draft picks would have to go to Siegel. Like you picked the most random scene. Yeah, and I did. I did. So, I, I, just I don't to, know. Everything's kind of big in the movie. And I just, like the little things that j- there are Just ever. to clarify you guys, I had, I had number four, wait, I had number, number three, three, three. and number six, six. And I got so, Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling, you guys. <laughs> Like yeah, I, I'm happy yeah, okay. with my pick. Yes, I'm happy with my sure. pick. Been but I got, but I got. You're a baby, and I think that's more important. So we're <laughs> even on this. Okay. Interesting. Okay. If you say so, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, we we we. I I do just want to talk about Emma Stone for a bit, just because we haven't mm-hmm. talked much for about sure. Emma Stone. Yes. Um. She's so. We were talking about how great the great the audition scene was. Just okay. Just a random thing that I that I noticed this time. Um. They they jump forward to is it is it five years later? Mm-hmm. Yeah, five. Yeah. Is it is it six? Is it it's five? Five, five, five. Okay, yeah. five years later from this movie, from the release of this movie, Emma Stone will have her baby. Oh my And like you goodness. know how she's playing with her little baby? She's like married and that's like has a baby cri- now. <gasps> oh, oh that's meta. That's Isn't that, that cool? I was just but, thinking oh about that. Goodness, that is so cool. Ugh, like five years from the release of this movie, like she has her little baby and like it's her like, husband, and she has all she has all her little family. It's so cute. <laughs> I think it's that's, yeah, that's really cool. That's I think very it's meta just, for her, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I bet she planned it's super that. Super meta. She's living. Yeah, totally. Land. Anyways, <laughs> um, I also mentioned um, this on the web. Speaking Whiplash of Emma podcast. Stone, though, I yes. think that it's oh. odd that we haven't talked about the someone in the crowd scene. Yeah, we We're haven't mentioned that at even, all. They could have made her friends more interesting. Her friends are really lame and one-dimensional. One part that's okay, so point. that's what I want to say about this scene, and it once again kind of transcending its musicalness is that the someone in the crowd scene is that they're all want to find that someone in the crowd, but they're also very much in the crowd. They're just part of the crowd. Whereas she is very decidedly not part of the crowd. Like in that scene where there's like- I mean, they make her go out. At first she doesn't want to, and then they make her go out. Right, exactly. And like in the scene at the party, like she goes out and then they're at the party and, and there's like a gold, like surrounding this, like the gold circle, like surrounding the whole scene. And, and, and every, it's like rose-colored glasses for like looking at the party and everyone's part of the crowd and she's very much, even in those, even in that framing, very much not. And she even, she like avoids avoiding people and, and being her own like self apart from the crowd. And also speaking of someone in the crowd, it's interesting that someone in the crowd is what happened to her at her, when she put on that show and then she was called into audition because someone was in the crowd. Exactly. Oh, I wanted to say that, but you and she was that. also in the saying. crowd, and she was also in the crowd at the jazz club, and she was also in the crowd. She was at the also jazz someone club. in the club in the crowd at the jazz club. And uh, that's I, yeah, oh gosh, yeah. that's awesome. I love so, that. So very good points. Mm-hmm. My point though is just that she's a really cool person, and she should sure, have yes. found cool friends. I guess. Okay. Fair. Like, why does she not have um, cool friends? But I, I think like, she's more. She found like-minded friends who want to be stars, and but they, a lot of those people aren't. They seemed very one-dimensional. They're very they boring. Stars. Ethan, another a big point of it is that's I mean, why they didn't make it, see, and she did. 
we don't get to see so much of them. We just see them in one song act and that's it. Right. That's true. Yeah. Barely. Um, the girl from um, Happy Death Ex Day Machina. is one of her friends. Yeah. Are you talking no, about? No. Not Alicia yeah. Vikander. She's not in it. No, the no, other the, one. The other the, one. The, the, the Japanese. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even place that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I like that the girl from Happy Death Day is in it. I that's forget cool. her name and I feel bad about that. Um, but yeah, please, Emma Stone is fantastic name. in this. I, yeah, she's one amazing. Of the, it's it's a fantastic like performance from her. It's probably one of her best. And I really love her as an actress. She's very uh, um, three-dimensional with, with any of her performance. She can adapt to any situation. And, and she's done comedies, dramas. Uh, I don't know if she's done suspense stuff, but she's done a lot of comedies and dramas and romance movies. And I, I love that. She's done... The, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing that I really want her to do, and this is really out, mm-hmm. out there, but I want her to do like a like a remake of like a Hollywood screwball comedy, like an old Catherine Hepburn style, like quippy mm-hmm. dialogue. Like I I really want her in that. I, I don't. I mean, that would that would suit yeah, her very sure. well. I think she could totally pull. She it could off. totally do it. I don't know that many other people that could do it. Um, just like the physical comedy, but also like the kind of quippy. Like it would have to be. She kind of sort of um, transatlantic, like accent that Katherine Hepburn does. Easy so like A, she's very quippy. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, totally. You know, she, matched, a fun she, fact she combined about, that performance with her La La Land performance and a her fun, performance from The a Favorite. A fun fact about that performance. she would be like, Siegel, be great. A yeah. Fun, a fun fact about that performance is that she's actually never seen Easy A. She refuses to watch really? that movie because it's so much on her that she did not want to watch that much, a movie that was that much about her. That's for sure. Interesting. It is interesting, right? That is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like how Adam Driver won't watch his own movies. He yeah. won't? I think Samuel L. Jackson is the only one who famously insists on watching his movies like a million. He just loves watching himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So Adam Driver like walked out of uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross because she played a clip of his acting. Huh. He, like He like got really anxious and left. Interesting. So he doesn't go to his own premieres. For I imagine. Movies? I imagine that's what I don't, what I don't understand. Probably also doesn't watch his own acting. I just feel like he's that kind of person. I don't. But know how would you learn if you don't watch yourself? I think it makes him too self-conscious, and he gets in his head about the yeah. way he's acting. I mean, whatever yeah, he's enough. doing, it works. So uh, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, sure, he's getting sure. better every every year. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, look, I'm I'm through I'm through my thoughts. I'm sure you guys have plenty more. Is there any is there anything else like we should touch on though? I think like we touched upon everything. Right. Like we even talked about the epilogue. Like there's nothing more that needs to be said. Um, I think, yeah. Um, one tiny thing I want to mention is that everyone, no one likes to talk about the most underrated scene of the movie, which is um, the scene where- where You're a um, baby. So, so, <laughs> no, yes, for sure. We're not, yeah. But that the scene with Sebastian and his sister- in the, Oh, in the, in the, the beginning of the movie? It's so it's such like just witty, fast paced dialogue. It is good. It's so sharp. I love that it, scene. It, it basically and then, and then, sets up a nice relationship with him and his sister, and we don't even get that much screen time with her, but it's more already than her friends. Like we get yeah, more yeah, of her sure. than we do of the friends. Yes. And that's my point. I mean, you get a lot with the sister. Like you could have gotten you could have actually gotten something cool with her friends. I I I I don't think that and I don't think that would have detracted from their big number if you got a little but again i think i think that might be part of the point that she came to la just to be a star and she was with these other people who were just there to be stars and that these people are kind of shallow fake people that i have no there have no interesting personalities other than that they want to be a star but but she's also she's attracted to sebastian like she's attracted to interesting people right so wouldn't she surround herself with interesting people well here's here's something interesting she didn't care for jazz until she met him 
Mm-hmm. And he right. got her so much into, I guess, any everything else that he loved. Again, this comes from the quote, people love what other people are passionate about, which I love. I feel like she grew as a person when she was with Sebastian and the more she got to know her. I like that the rest of that quote, there's, that's not the whole quote. It's the part of the quote that's famous, but the whole quote is people love what other people are passionate about. It reminds them of something they lost. Mm. So maybe she lost something along the way. I think that says a lot more than the half of the quote that's remembered. Yeah. Mm, interesting. That is, that, that is really interesting. It does, it does kind of add a different perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I'm deep in thought. This doesn't make yeah, so I don't know. I don't know for great content, I'm, but I'm just deep in thought right now. I'm, I'm deep in thought, so I'm like thinking about everything now. Like, did I lose anything in my life? I don't know. <laughs> what have I lost? Um, um, I usually wrap up by having people say. A quote I do. I do want to say one thing. Um, I really Here like how how Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling do so much with so little. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, Siegel. I hate you my so favorite, much. My favorite part of this podcast was um, Siegel going for four minutes, starting it off by saying, La Land is not a musical. Not a musical, but it is, but it's and, not, and but yeah, goes, we know. And then he goes, La Land, well, I mean, La La Land's a musical. He's and having then, a debate goes, with himself. And then, he wraps it, and then he wraps it up by going, La La Land is not, not a musical. Exactly. That's the, the best way to say it. Out. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> you do you, buddy, man. You do you. All right, all Anyways, right. <laughs> no, I just have to give you shit. I loved it. Um, oh, I usually have my guests wrap up by saying a quote and character. Didn't you say you gave this some thought, Siegel? I, I have one. I don't know if I could do the voice of Peter O'Toole, but I do oh, like the quote. I love, I love that From Ratatouille. Though. Is Peter O'Toole in Ratatouille? He plays Anton Ego. <gasps> I didn't know that was Peter You're O'Toole. You're going to say the okay, whole here. thing? No, I'm not going to say the whole thing. I'm not, you know what? Now I feel bad that I said it and it might not be him, but I'm 90% sure. No, you're fine. You're fine. I can cut it if it's not. Yeah, I'm going to look it up really quick. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's him. Um, Is this the art? A great artist come come from everywhere? Is that that that? No, it's not that quote. It's because I write a lot of reviews on Letterboxd, I guess, that that this quote is something that I really spoke to me, but it's, it's where he says, we thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating itself. That's I think that says so much. Yeah, that's in, yeah, a, that that's in his, that's in his, his uh, final... review of oh, okay, okay, rats okay. cooking of Remy. Wow, now. now I'm in more deep thought and I don't know yeah. what to do with my life anymore. <laughs> I am lost yeah. like... Like, like jo- Joel is the average piece soul. of junk is worth yeah, more than should. our criticism designating itself. I love that. Um, Sophie, <laughs> any uh, final quote? <laughs> I could just sing city of stars. Are you shining just yeah. for me? Her, her, I wish I could actually play it on the piano for you guys, but you'll have you to wait it? and see. Do you want it? I can't. I'm going to go over there. And yeah, do it. do it. Her favorite quote, <laughs> just because she's not saying it, is, is the people love what other people are passionate about. All right. I'll just do the beginning. This is our first like full performance quote. I'm really excited can, for this. Can you hear? Can you hear when? <laughs> can you hear when I go like that? Uh-huh. Yes. City of stars, are you shining just for me? I can't sing. I'm wearing an noise canceling It's gonna sound so bad. I promise I'm not a bad singer. I oh, promise. No, I love it. I love it. You guys are both great. This is really fun. All right. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely.
Absolutely. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you so much. It was such an honor. I could talk about Lola Land all day. Ethan, you're the best <laughs> podcast host ever. We love well, you. I like to hear. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflex, and I will see you next week.